Welcome, welcome. It is great to see you. You know, it is absolutely incredible. It's, it's beyond measure and imagination that the God of the universe has invited us to participate, to partner with him in, in his reconciliation, in his rescue, in his move of transforming a world that we get to be a part. Ecstatic, incredible. I would have never done it that way, but that's the way that God did it. So it's hard for the Harvest Weekend. It's our annual big sacrificial offering. We have spent three weeks leading up to this, two weeks of fasting and prayer, and uh, we've, we've sort of built it around our reimagined mission statement. And so that is, at Faith Promise, we exist to help with See, that's, and when somebody, you, if you've been around church long, somebody has said, hey, what good is a church? What does it exist? And you can be able to say, I'm so glad you asked, because our church exists to help real people with real problems find real love. That's what we do. So this weekend is sort of the climax of our fasting and prayer season. So first, let me welcome all of our campuses. Incredible to have you guys with us. God is at work, and it is in it has been some of the most supernatural services that we've had. People have been healed. Miracles have happened. It's incredible. Uh, next year, 52 weeks, we'll have our next Heart for the Harvest. And by that time, we'll have double-digit campuses. And we'll have 8,000 or over in average attendance. And I'm praying next year will be the year that we baptize 1,000 people in one year. Because I've been, been praying about that. And then literally a dream is because I pray for Pentecost too all the time. Well, they have Pentecost, they baptize 3,000 people. Can you imagine baptizing 3,000 people in one weekend? Maybe when we do Easter at Neyland Sanctuary. Come on, somebody. Baptize 3,000 that weekend. It's just a thought. But, but we will have double-digit campuses and we will have all that God is doing now will do then. Really, a, a great deal is because of your obedience and because of your expectation as we bring, as we give this sacrificial offering to God, we really will mirror the selflessness and the sacrificial love that Jesus has when he gave himself for the world. And our participation in this offering really paves the way for us to help real people with real problems find real love. That's what we do. So we're going to do it a little differently. This is going to be a very interactive service. And so the more that you want to participate, the more that you're going to get out of it. We built this service around the three things, real people. In a few minutes, real people will bring their offering and give it to God. And then we will have real problems. We're going to pray over several different segments of our congregation and people that need different miracles. And then we're going to gather around the table, Lord, for the third and experience real love as we partake in the table of the Lord, the Lord's Supper. Does that sound good? Is that all right? So that's what we're going to do. So if you've got your copy of the Word of God, if you'll turn to Matthew 26, in the, in the last chapters of Matthew, Jesus is winding down his earthly ministry, heading to the cross, and he is in Jerusalem, and it, this is really the, the straw that broke the camel's back. He goes in the temple, he throws out the money changers, he, he makes a, a whip, and he drives the people out, and, and he offends radically the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the Herodians. Matter of fact, it would be just like today. He would offend the Democrats and the Republicans and the Libertarians. See, Jesus does not have a political party. He is the party. Amen. 
He is the king of the party. And so, and, and so they, after this, they come together and meet and say, we're taking him out. Okay, we're, he is out. So we've got to have an inside person because we can't take him out publicly because the people think he's going to be a king. So we've got to get an insider. We've got to find us a Judas, which is exactly why we call Judas, and that's what they do. Judas now has turned on Jesus. Commentators have speculated as to why Judas betrayed Jesus. I think it happened, he began to make a decision when Jesus is at the home of Simon the leper and a lady comes in and she breaks the vial of alabaster, pure nard, and washes his feet and wipes them with her hair. And Judas, along with the rest of the disciples, is greatly offended, said, this could have been sold for a year's worth of wages and all the money given to the poor. Now, Judas didn't care about the poor. He was stealing money out of the cash box. He didn't care about the poor. It really wasn't about the money. Matthew 26, 14 and 15 says this. Now, then one of the 12 named Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, what are you willing to give me to betray him to you? And they weighed out 30 pieces of silver. So we know why the Pharisees make a deal with the devil, because Jesus said the devil entered Judas and led him to do what he did. We know the Pharisees, why they did it, but why did Judas participate in it? Why would he betray our Lord for 30 pieces of silver, about $4,000 in today's money? Why would he do it? I think, let me just sort of build for a couple of minutes as we get ready to give our, our sacrificial offering to me. I think, that, I think that Judas did it because Judas didn't like Jesus' reckless generosity. And if you follow the life and ministry of our Lord, he was reckless in his generosity with his power, with his miracles, even with the money that he had, he was reckless with that. See, Judas was, Judas was not necessarily about the money because Judas believed, along with many of the disciples as the ministry began, that Jesus would set up an earthly kingdom, he would reestablish the Davidic line of kingship, destroy the Romans, and Jerusalem would once again be the seat of power for the world, and that's what they thought. So Judas begins to realize, this is not going to happen. Hold up a minute. He said he's about to die, and so Judas is furious. Judas, again, it wasn't about the money, because Judas threw the money away that he betrayed Jesus for. See, it, it's not about the money, even though it costs money to build kingdoms. Business people, does it cost money to build a business? Entrepreneurs, does it cost money? You know, salespeople, what about mom and dad, you have a kid, does it cost money? If you're going to build a kingdom, it's going to cost money. See, Judas viewed that Jesus was putting the money in the wrong place. People that were too physically weak to help establish this new kingdom. Politically weak. He's, he should have been a whole different deal. He didn't realize that Jesus was about real people and real problems and real love. That Jesus was building a kingdom that would come, a kingdom about reconciliation and restoration. Are y'all with me? That that was what the plan that Jesus was. So Jesus used all his money. He used all his miracles. He used all his teaching ability to, to make things new in people's life because he was building a kingdom. So let me ask you, if you're listening, say, I am. Whose kingdom are you building? Your own? Because, see, Jesus said, seek you first the kingdom of God and my righteousness and all these other things, houses and clothes and everything you need, I'm going to add unto you. But seek first. But because we don't have enough faith to believe what Jesus said, 
we end up worrying about our kingdom more than his kingdom. Is that fair? Okay, we're real people. Come on. See, Judas was about building the kingdom. He just was about building the wrong kingdom. So what kingdom are you building? It's not about the money. It's, it's not about the money. The money's just a small part. It's engaging real people with real problems, with God's real love. Now, not only was Judas trying to build a wrong kingdom, Judas, now listen, I'm going to help you understand something big time. I have a fresh revelation on this. It's going to open your eyes. Are you ready for it? Can you, are y'all ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Look at Matthew 6, 24. On as Jesus is teaching. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for you will love one and hate the other. You will be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Or some said money, some say wealth. King James Version translates it exactly what Jesus said. You cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon is translated wealth, but mammon, mammos, was the god of wealth, the Babylonian god of wealth. He was the god of wealth. So see, there's a spirit attached. There's a, there's a demonic spirit that's attached, the spirit of mammon. And he said, you cannot serve me and, and the spirit of mammon wealth at the same time. Does that make sense? So let me tell you what's happened in the last couple, three, four weeks as thousands of promisers have been praying about the offering. Are you ready? You've been battling the spirit of mammon. How do you know? Because so have I. Because, see, you've said, God, what do you want me to give? And God gave you a number, and then you said, that's crazy. That's not God. I will come to your house. (laughs) And you say, okay, that can't be God. God doesn't want me to do that. See, what happened, then you enter into a battle between the spirit of God in you and the spirit of mammon. You can't serve two masters. And mammon will tell you, you can't afford that, you can't do that. See, and mammon, listen, this is the real deal. It's not about you giving money or you keeping more money for yourself. Mammon is about what kingdom are you building. See, mammon doesn't want you to give to the kingdom of God because when you hold back, the kingdom of mammon is built, not the kingdom of God. That, promisers, is where the real battle lies. And some of you have been battling that spirit for decades. Am I right? Come on. And you say, how do you know? Because God gave me the money to give for Michelle and I to give probably six weeks ago. We sold some stuff. I got an extra speaking engagement. I got some money for that. And I said, this is what God told us to give. Here it is. Since I've had that in the bank, I've spent that money 23 times on 43 different things. <laughs> Am I the only one? Man, I've said, hey, I could use that. No, I'm not using that. I could use that. No, one. And then I realized, holy cow, that's the spirit of mammon trying to stop me from building the kingdom of God. And see, when I preach on money, you say, all he wants is money. Mammon. When you say, they just want to build, hey, we shouldn't give because I don't like how they handle the money. I don't, I don't, I don't. Mammon is whispering in your ear. So in just a few minutes when we give, many of you are defeating the spirit of mammon because you're going to go ahead and do what God said anyway. Are y'all with me? Anybody helping me? See, here's the deal. God never, the only thing God ever did alone was creation. Since then, everything God has done, he has used people and prayer. Go through the whole Bible, find me one thing God did without help. Everything God chose to use people. And so we do our part, God does his part, but we do our part first. So we give today, we give because he first gave. 
If he didn't give you, you wouldn't have any money, would you? See, we're stewards. People say that 10% belongs to God. No, 100% belongs to God, and we return 10% to him. We're stewards. It's all God's anyway. Does this make sense? So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give. By the way, I, gotta, I can't find it now. I didn't start looking for it last night. Early this last week, I was training pastors in Peterborough, England, the top 50 churches in the U.K., and I got a screenshot of a stack of checks from our God Behind Bars men. See, there are some guys in our God Behind Bars that are freer than some of us that drove to a campus. Are y'all with me? There are some of us that are bound by the spirit of mammon, that are bound by fear and lack of faith, and those guys over there are just giving. Isn't that incredible? Even behind bars, those guys are giving for the work of the kingdom of God. Wow. So... So let me turn it over to the campus pastors at every campus as we get ready. If you guys go ahead and give instructions, so we'll see you guys in a few minutes. Now, we're going to, you see these chests, we're going to bring, by the way, just put everything, don't worry about this week's tithes and offerings, and put everything in. We'll take a week's worth of budget out of that. There are some years, if we're, uh, depending on where we are, we'll leave it all in. Some years where we take it out, $199,000 is our weekly requirements for all eight campuses and all this done across all of our campuses. And so just put your tithes offering everything in there. Some of you have already given online. Great. But we're just going to give to God. Is God worthy? Is God worthy? So, Spirit of the living God, we invite you into our worship. We have praised your name, and now we are going to bring an offering to you because you're so worthy. Lord, I pray that you'll take this offering and you'll build new campuses. God, you'll take this offering and you'll do, you'll do the playground downtown for Emerald Youth. But God, you will continue to use us to make it hard to go to hell from East Tennessee. So as we get up, God, let us be hilarious. Let us shout amens as we bring this to you. Thank you, God, that you've given us the resources that we get to participate in the work of God and defeat the spirit of mammon. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, all right, the chest round around. Let's get up and let's move and let's get about, give our offerings to God. Well, we are called Christ followers. We are disciples. That means that he is the teacher. We are the followers. That means that we, imp, that, that we follow his example, that we emulate his life and how he lived. And when Jesus was here, there's one thing that is clear. Jesus loved people. Amen? Jesus loved down and outers. Jesus loved the poor people. But can I tell you, I don't know where we got this idea. Jesus loved the rich people too. I mean, Jesus walking through the crowd, Zacchaeus up in the tree, Zacchaeus, come on down, I'm going to your house for lunch today. The richest man in the crowd. See, we've got an idea that Jesus is against business people or against entrepreneurs or people that have great wealth. That's crazy. There are a lot of wealthy people that funded Jesus' ministry while he was here. But Jesus loved people. And Jesus helped so many people, which infuriated Judas. Infuriated Judas that Jesus loved and healed people that were not going to seemingly add any value to the kingdom that he, that, that he thought Jesus was going to build. So you may be here this weekend. You may feel like hey, there's, no, there's no reason God would do anything for me because I'm worthless. Well, and after this segment, we're going to enter into the Lord's table. When I look at that, I realize why God paid for you. How could you think you're worthless to the King of Kings? And the Lord, God loves you right where you are. God loves you. And so God, God is here this weekend and through an atmosphere of worship and prayer and faith. We're going to see God move. Maybe, maybe you feel humiliated by some circumstances. Maybe you feel humbled 
that you're not where you thought you were going to be, that you're not, your life is not how you had it planned out. Maybe you feel empty. Maybe you feel trapped. Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe there's, maybe there's a relationship in your family that's broken. Maybe your marriage is crumbling and you simply don't know what to do about it. Maybe you don't know your purpose or your walk with God is frayed and strayed and you really don't know what to do about it. See, this weekend is not just about building the kingdom through giving and offering. It's about God building his kingdom within us. Does that make sense? That God giving us his joy and his victory. That God's kingdom would come on earth in our hearts as it is in heaven. Matthew 6.10. That's what Jesus said. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in my family, in my marriage, in my life, in my kids as it is in heaven. Does that make sense? So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna spend some time praying for some different people, but let me tell you the people God's going to move on. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Isaiah 66, 2 says this, for my hand made all these things. Thus it all these things came into being, declares the Lord. God, God said, it's all mine. But to this one I will look, who? Who is humble. And when arrogance comes in, God leaves. So why would we act like we got it all together when we have desperate needs that only God can can provide. Amen? Humble, contrite of spirit, and who trembles at my word, who believes the word of God, who knows our God is all powerful. See, God is looking to build broken lives. He's looking to mend broken hearts. He's looking to make all things new. See, his real love, it brings a change that makes new things in our life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, poor in spirit doesn't mean you don't have any money. Poor in spirit means that you are bankrupt, that, that really you come to God and say, Lord, all I can give you is me. I don't, I, I don't have anything else. That makes sense? Here, the, I have a lot more needs than I have what I can give you. But see, it is God's desire that every one of us leave all of our campuses this weekend in absolute, utter freedom. Because Jesus paid for your freedom. He bought it on the cross. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there there is liberty. God has set us free. So anybody want freedom? Because see, we got people among us this weekend who need God to move. There are some outcasts. There are some people who have been left out. There are some people with real, real people that have real problems. And so some of you this weekend, you came and you say, Pastor, I don't, I don't have any money. I don't have anything to give. And some of you may feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. Just give God you. He wants you way more than your money. Money's an insignificant part of it. Are you with me? Remember that Spirit of Mammon deal we talked about? He wants you. So campus pastors, you guys go ahead and take it and feel lead through this prayer time at all of your campuses. We'll be back together in a few minutes. And so you guys just enter in. All right, now we're going to pray for some people. We're going to pray for people that need a physical healing. You know, emotional, physical, you need, a, you need a healing within your body. We're going to do it differently. Being different is our mantra on here, isn't it? So if there's something you don't like, don't worry. We're going to change it. If there's something you just love, hey, don't get too attached because we're going to change it too. The only thing that remains the same in faith promises, we're always changing. And so we're going to pray for people that need healing. Now, God moves in an atmosphere of faith and God does his work after we do our work. Are you with me? So I was a little upset last service that so many people that needed didn't get up. And it's amazing to me that we get mad at God for not doing his part when we are completely unwilling to do ours. 
and our part comes first. Amen? So, if you have been healed, God has touched your life. God, you know, physical, mental, God has brought healing in your life. I want you to stand. You've already experienced the miracle of healing. Come on, just go ahead and stand all over. Just go ahead and stand. Now, see, I ask these people to stand because I don't like to talk them into believing what God can do because they've already tasted. Amen? Now, just a minute, if you need healing, just go walk to any of these people. Just put your hand on their shoulder, and they're going to pray. We're going to have a time, what we call body life. We're going to pray for each other. Amen? Is our God able to heal? All right, so see who they are, because when people get up, you won't be able to. So, all right, right now, get up and go find that person. And right now, let's begin to pray for God to heal mightily. God, you've never failed us. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us, but you would be with us always, even to the end of this age. So, God, right now, those that stood by faith, we believe that you're touching their bodies. We believe that you're touching them in radical ways. So, God, right now, we just ask you to heal Jehovah Rapha. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, all right, go ahead and have a seat. Thank you, Jesus. Now we're going to pray for another group of people. Those are folks that need restoration. Maybe your marriage is jacked or you have a prodigal. Uh, if we could peel this carpet up off the concrete part of the stage and the floor, you would see prodigal's names. Many of them will be giving in the Heart for the Harvest offering. Already have this weekend. Who, When we, when we built this, we're prodigals. They've come home. Maybe there's a relationship that's frayed. Maybe it's in your small group. But you need a restorative miracle. Our God is able. Our God is able. And our God can bring people together. And so if you've experienced a restorative miracle, God's healed your marriage. God's brought a prodigal home. God has restored in a relationship. You've seen him do it. Would you just go ahead and stand first? Just go ahead and stand. Just like we did last time. You've already seen him. Just go ahead and stand up all over all over this congregation. Just go ahead. Now, in just a second, if you need a restorative miracle, I want you to, I want you to come and just gather around these people. Again, these folks already know that our God's able. So we're going to pray. So see where you're going. Look where you're going now. If you need that miracle, just go ahead and move. Now listen, if you need that miracle, why would you stay seated? See, if you stay seated, don't ask God to do anything. Amen? Don't ask God to do anything. Just, just go ahead and stay seated. I'm, I'm not humble. I'm not contrite. I'm not poor in spirit. I'm not going to get up and walk across the room. Well, just stay there by yourself. It's all right. Just leave knowing you missed it. Have you, ever, have you ever had your kids where you knew that your children had great potential, but they didn't live up to it? Did that bother you, mom and dad? I want so much more for you than you want for yourself. Man, I want you to walk in freedom. I want you to have great relationships. I want you to be wealthy. I want you to be healthy. I want you to walk in the joy of the Lord. I want to see God doing a radical work. And so, come on, right now, let's look. All right, if you need that miracle, just head to those folks, and let's begin to pray right now. We call this body life. You've never, you've always come through. So, God, we believe that you're drawing prodigals. You're going to restore marriages. That you're, you're going to ask in a miraculous, supernatural way. As we have by faith stood, as we have by faith believed, so God, by faith, we know you're moving. Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said. I'm going to pray for one more group of people, and that is folks that need a financial miracle. Maybe you need a job, but you need God, God's provision. And for some people, there, there's nothing you did wrong. We've got, we've got people get laid off for no fault. We had a family, uh, we had... A, a committed family a year ago 
the, the husband was about to retire and they found out that the entire business had put everyone's retirement in a Ponzi scheme and he lost his entire life savings. So he had to stay at work. That was no fault of his own. That was just the work of someone wicked. And so some of you, you may have made some bad decisions, but if you need a job, you need financial provisions, you need a miracle, man, we want to pray for you. So if you've already experienced that, you've seen God bless, God heal your finances, you've seen God open the door for a job, you've seen God bring that miracle money in, if you would, I'm going to ask you to stand first, all over, just pop up, man. You've seen the providing hand of God, just go ahead and stand up all over. Now, if you need You need what we talked about. Look where they are. Now listen, we'll say it again. If you have a need and you stay seated, I don't get that. I simply don't get that. In the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God is in this house. In the name of Jesus, our God is going to move. So in the name of Jesus, you need to go ask. So right now, if you need it, grab one of these people and let's believe our God. Now we come to our third part. Losing it. We're coming to the third part of our worship experience, and that is real love. We talked about real people as we brought our offering. We've talked about real problems as we prayed for each other. And now we see the greatest of all, and that is love. God's real love. We gather around the table today. Let me give you a little background. The Lord's Supper came out of, in Matthew 27, what Jesus was experiencing with his disciple, the the Passover, but he transformed it into now what we call the Lord's Supper. For 1,500 years, the Israelites had celebrated the Passover, and it was an interactive worship experience at home to teach the children and remind themselves of the miracle that God had done that they had been in captivity for 400 years in chains, building Pharaoh's pyramids, building Pharaoh's monuments. It was horrible. And they would teach their children of the redemption and the rescue of God. They would eat, they would, they would drink. There were four cups of wine, and they would eat part of the meal. Part of it was unleavened bread, bread with no yeast. Because A, leaven is illustrative of sin in the Bible, and then B, because 10 times Moses told Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. And, God, and so Moses told him, get ready. Don't put any, any yeast in your, in your, in your uh, dough because we're going to put it in beef or boogie in a hurry. And that's exactly what they did. So they ate unleavened bread. Remember that they took off in a hurry. They ate bitter herbs, horseradish, yuck. I hate horseradish. They would eat these bitter herbs that literally would bring tears to their eyes to remind themselves of the bitter trials and tears when they were having, when they were killing the firstborn sons when all that was going on in Egypt. And they would, they would sacrifice a lamb and they would cook the lamb and they would put the door, the blood over the door so that when the, the death angel came to Egypt, it would pass over their house and it was called the Passover. So they would celebrate it. So Jesus is in the middle of celebrating that with his disciples. He has finished the third cup and set it down. There is yet one more cup to have. The fourth cup is the cup of Hillel or the cup of praise. And he said, I'm no longer going to drink the fourth cup with you until I drink it new in the kingdom of God. 
He said, but I'm going to give you a new covenant. And he broke the bread and he said, this is my body that is broken for you. And then he poured a cup of wine and they, they had a common cup. And he said, this is my blood that is poured out for you. Drink ye all of it. And he was telling them that there's a new deal. And so just like those Israeli families gathered around for thousands of years, the Passover, we gather around as Christ followers the communion table. And we remember that his body was torn just like the bread for our behalf, that his blood was spilled on that, on that Judean hillside just like the wine was poured out. But, the, but in the Lord's Supper, there is no lamb because Jesus is the sacrificial lamb for us. He is the one that was crucified, that was, was killed for our payment. So we gather around, just like those, those Jewish boys and girls, we gather around Christ's followers, and we remember, we celebrate his love for us. Again, if you've ever felt worthless, all you've got to do is remember the table of the Lord and what God was willing to do for you, to have a relationship with you, to take you to heaven. So right now, campus pastors, if you guys would take it and lead your campuses, in the in the taking of the Lord's Supper and we will man we'll see you guys next week and you guys be blessed. Now as we prepare to to go, there are stations all around the sanctuary. When you go, just walk, just grab a, a cracker. This is my body, grab a little grape juice, head back to your seat, eat the cracker and remember. Drink the juice and remember. And then thank God for the greatest price ever paid for your salvation. Amen. If you were the only one, he would have done it just for you. So there ought to be some, there ought to be some ecstatically, just, I mean, grateful people in this house. Shouldn't we be the most grateful people on the planet? Man. While they're out rioting, while terrorism and wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquake in various places sounds like the end times to me. We get to celebrate because we're going to heaven. Amen. Well, I just can't wait. So I'm going to pray, and then you make your way to station. God, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for the body. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for your son. Thank you that he died. Thank you that he rose from the grave. You're amen. And thank you, those of us that are born again, you have taken your quill and dipped it into his blood, and you have written our name in the Lamb's book of life, and we will forever worship you. So God, just inject us with the Holy Spirit. God, move on us as we celebrate what you've done for us is our prayer in Jesus' name. All right, make your way to one of the tables. God, we give you all the praise. Lord, we know there's been a, a generous offering that's been given to you. God, we believe there's been miracles. And Father, we have worshiped in gratitude. But God, there's some people that right now need to experience the greatest miracle of all of eternity, and that is the miracle of salvation. God, we can tell the story, but only you can impart life. Only you can open the eyes. And so right now, I'm asking you to, to halt all of hell, release all of heaven, and let people this very minute be born again and forever set apart for the work of God's our prayer in Jesus name and all God's people said go ahead and have a seat now again and all that we do you may say I'm new this is sort of weird and odd I, I don't understand it all that's okay 
we don't get everything either. What we do know is that we were all born sinners. You didn't have to teach your kids how to lie. It's standard equipment. Because we were all born separated from God. We've all sinned, is that right? But that's the reason we have the table of the Lord. God paid for our sin. And so if you'd like to have all your sin forgiven, if you'd like to have a new start, have your sins wiped away, put your hand in the hand of heaven and experience the life with God, then he's ready for that. It's why we do everything that we do. It's, it's why we do Heart for the Harvest. It's why we do everything so more people will enter into a relationship with Jesus. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're ready to give your heart and life to Jesus, would you just pray this prayer? We're going to pray out, out loud with you. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. You died for me. You rose from the grave. Now I will live for you. I put my faith in you. I will follow you forever in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, let's give God some praise for people. Yes, Lord. Now, in just a minute, you're going to watch, I think, five people who have given their heart to Jesus go public by baptism. So we're about to do that, but before we do, amen, give the Lord praise. Thank you, God. Now, before we do that, if you just gave your heart to Jesus, if you'll fill out the communication card and if you'll go out the center doors, there's a place where people are seated out there, just hand to someone because we want to be able to follow up. Or if you've not been to our Next Steps experience, it happens every campus on the second weekend, which is next week. You can sign up for that. We'd love you to find out what your next step is and what we do. And then next Friday at 10 o'clock starts the Compassion Experiences. There are two of them. One at Pellissippi, one at Blount. They only have two for all of America. Both of them are here. And so if, you, if you'll go online, you can fill that. You can sign up. You don't have to go to Africa. You can walk through Africa in their experience. You don't have to wonder what a poor child in India lives like. You're going to walk through where they live and what they do. It's incredible. And so we're going to be a part of that as we start a new series. Love starts here next weekend. So sign up. It's going to be amazing. Don't forget about next steps. Has it been good to be in the house of the Lord? So right now, let's worship in worship and baptism. <laughs>